Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. SmileEyeSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, Sasquatch and Wildcard Casino. Always great giveaways right now. Giving away over 17000 in cash or up to $30,000 towards the lease or a purchase of a vehicle at Omera Ford Grand Prize Drawings are January 22nd and 23rd. So get on up there, see how you can win either cash or a brand new ride. Sasquatch and Wildcard Casino, they have a prime rib special with all the fixings for just $7.99. And you can have that while you sit at their new sports book. Go to Sasquatch and Wildcard Casino, a family-owned casino that treats you like family. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Go get some tonight in Denver, Centennial, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park. All right, ESPN ranks seven possible head coaching vacancies this offseason, and they have the Broncos at number two, meaning the second most desirable. They are just behind. You ready for this? Just behind the Vikings, as ESPN expects Mike Zimmer to possibly lose his job, and that would not surprise me one bit. But the Broncos are ahead of the Jaguars, Panthers, Raiders, Bears, and the Texans bring up the rear. The Jaguars, by the way, have already started their interviewing process because today is the day that all teams could do Zoom interviews. And I don't forget about the list who they have interviewed or are planning to interview Mace. I don't know who they haven't interviewed or are not going to. The list seems a lot longer on who they're going to than who they're not. Well, can you blame them? You go through every possibility you can, especially when you can easily get it done done by Zoom. Like they've got both Buccaneer coordinators, uh, Todd Bowles and uh, Byron Leftwich on the list. Right. And Leftwich will be really interesting because, of course, he played quarterback in Jacksonville many moons ago. Nathaniel Hackett in Green Bay on their list. Uh, Jim, Jim Caldwell on their list. And, of course, Doug Peterson, who is – going to be coaching somewhere here in this cycle on the list. And he may make the most sense for a lot of reasons with that. This is what they said about the Broncos pros and cons, the pros young roster and cap space. Those are two huge things. Mm -hmm. As for the cons, let's go back to what Mike Shanahan famously said. When a guy is looking for a head coaching position, you should look at two things. First ownership And what kind of quarterback do they have? And those are the cons that ESPN saddles with the Broncos. Ownership uncertainty and lack of quarterback. Would you have the Broncos at number two? Well, I mean, it's interesting because you dive into this and you can see a lot of, of problems. Like, for example, I would have the Jaguars number one because you've got a young quarterback that has all the raw tools and you kind of have to build a piece around him and ownership there has proven willing to do whatever you would ask. Just the Jag, the Jaguars problems do not stem from 
the people at the top of the organization. They're just, now, you could say that they, one, they, maybe there have been some, some mistakes, like hiring Urban Meyer. That was a mistake, yes, on, on Shad Khan. But if they correct that, you have an owner that you can work with. But that being said, I'm not sure I'd have the Broncos any lower than, 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 than second or third on this list. I think, the only, I think I would actually have them second. I would have Jacksonville one, Denver two, Minnesota three. Minnesota's got a cap problem, and you're kind of stuck with Kirk Cousins for better or for worse. That's why I'd have him below the Broncos. Well, Broncos have flexibility to do things. I think you'll disagree in this, but you know what they said is one of the cons for the Jaguars? Lacking young talent. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Because I think we had this conversation about a week and a half ago, and you said you thought they had a lot of young talent. I think they've got a fair amount of young talent. I mean, I, I think the interesting thing is you look at kind of core positions, right? Quarterback, you've identified your quarterback. Pass rusher, Josh Allen is a very good edge rusher that you can build around. The other core positions are the tackles and cornerbacks. So they're halfway there, I think, in terms of having kind of the core four players that you need. And then you got to find a lockdown corner. You got to find yourself. You got to find yourself a stud tackle. This is probably going to be a good draft for finding that stud tackle. Lockdown corner, maybe a little bit of time, but. I feel like because of that, and you've got some talent at the receiver spot, the skill position spots as well, a good interior offensive line. I, I don't think this team is as far off as it seems. And the other thing that comes into play here, even and this does work against the Broncos, but I think the Broncos are still a good job, is your division. You look around the AFC South, and this is another reason why the Jaguars, to me, are the best job. And where's the, where's the Colossus that you have to take down? I mean Tennessee, they're gonna they're probably gonna win the division again, but they're only gonna go as far as Derrick Henry takes them. Ryan Tannehill, the bloom came off the rose this year for him without Derrick Henry, in terms of his performance coming back to earth. That division is set up for you to, if you get it right, to be in control for a long time, in a way that it's gonna be tougher for the Broncos in the. AFC West with Herbert and Mahomes. And so that's why I'd have the Jaguars ahead of the Broncos on this list. Okay, we know that the Broncos will be very interested in Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn if they feel they can target Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. We know the Broncos will be very interested in targeting Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett because of Aaron Rodgers. But let's say Rodgers and Wilson are absolutely positively off the table, and you're going to have to go into the draft. Who do you want as your head coach of some of these guys? Doug Peterson, who you've mentioned, Dan Quinn, Raheem Morris, and actually the, the Broncos gave him a look many years ago. He's when he the, got the Bucks job, yeah. Right. He's the Rams' defensive coordinator. Yeah. Leslie Frazier with the Bills, he's their defensive coordinator. Of course, he's been a head coach with the Vikings. Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon or Hackett? Or is there somebody else you'd give a strong look-see to? But let's Raheem say Wilson Rogers are not part of the equation. Yeah, Who do you like? Raheem Morris is really intriguing because you look back at, uh, at his time in, in Tampa Bay, he inherited a team that was in salary cap hell, aging over the cap. And 
what doomed him, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to basically lean on your point from the first segment. One of the things that doomed him was the quarterback. Josh Freeman had a great year too, and the Bucks went 10 and 6 and missed the playoffs on a tiebreaker to the Packers who went on to win the Super Bowl. That's how close the Bucks were in uh, under Raheem Morris and then Freeman struggled, couldn't take the next step. They took a step back. A decade has passed. Morris got high marks for the job he did as an interim coach in Atlanta last year, kind of keeping that ship together down the stretch. So I'd get, I think he deserves a look. Todd Bowles in Tampa Bay, who was the Jets head coach, he'd be on my list as well. I'm not thinking about coaches and specific schemes. Like I, Sometimes you want to hire somebody who comes from a specific scheme and is going to do specific things. That is less of a concern to me than big picture view, leadership, play, player management, and identifying the right people. Okay, let me ask you something. The right job. So that's one of the reasons why I like Dan Quinn as well. And also, I want a coach who's done it before. So Peterson would be the top of my list, but I don't think the Broncos are going to be have him on their radar. In no particular order, give me your top five guys on defense. No particular order. I'll start you off with Simmons, Sertan. Who else do you want to put on that list? Guys who you know will be with the team next year. Bradley Shubb. Yep. Um, Shelby Harris, Straymond Jones. Okay. Now give me your top five guys on offense. No particular uh, order. Top five guys. Garrett Bowles, Javante Williams. They're going to be back. Garrett Bowles, Javante Williams, um, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, and you can flip a coin, Jerry Judy, Noah fan. No, you can't. It's Jerry Judy. But if you want to you want to flip a Noah coin. Noah is literally leading the team in fine. receptions right now. Good. Actually, Noah, you just made my point even more. If you had to pick which of those five slash six, which has more potential, which has more po- the offensive guys or the defensive guys, which guys have, if you had to rank them in terms of overall talent, which group has more talent? Offense has more talent. Defense has the single highest ceiling player, though. Okay. In they, Sertan. Oh, good. But they, those defensive player, I mean, Bradley Chubb is going is going into year five and he's got an injury history. Yep. Shelby Harris is a good player who's on the yep. other side of thirty. Justin Simmons is going into year seven. He he's not okay. a young player and he, he this what we see of Justin Simmons, this is who he'll be and that's very good. But this is who he's going to okay. be. Okay, so now let's move on. All six of those guys have been underutilized and, in my opinion, have underperformed. And they all have lots of talent. One through six, they all have. You can argue, if you wanted to, any one of those guys being number one. You can make an argument for all of them to be number one. On offense, absolutely. Okay, you can't really do that on defense. It's Sertan and Simmons and then everybody else. And then you can put them whatever order you want to. So my point is this. If you have guys who have that much talent on the offensive end, then you need to hire an offensive-minded coach to maximize their potential. Yes, you need to find a quarterback. I am with you on that. But you need to scheme better for these guys because they are so loaded with talent, you have to find a way to maximize it, and it is young talent as well. And you that's hi- why the, the first two names that came up in Jacksonville, because they're thinking about developing their quarterback and developing their offense, if it were my list, 
I would have Doug Peterson and Jim Caldwell in for interviews. I would not have Jim Caldwell. I would have Nathaniel Hackett. I would absolutely have Jim Caldwell. That's fine. What has Detroit done since he left? Bupkis. That's fine. I'll go with Nathaniel Hackett. I'll go with a guy who has has a good pedigree with who he's learned from. Yeah, I I want people who've done it before. Now I, remember I, something. Let 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 here's let the head coach make his first time mistakes on someone else's dime. I want somebody who has been in that seat before and has learned from the ups and downs of their first head. I'm I'm not second head coaching job. I'm now Here's my had enough of the, the first timers the last couple of go rounds. Here's my caveat: Nathaniel Hackett has to talk like the Chargers head coach Staley, right? Yes. If he is like Staley, I'm taking Hackett. I've never heard two words out of his mouth. If he's an impressive guy, I'll take him because Staley, every time he opens his mouth, my jaw drops. Yeah. If he has that type of personality a calm demeanor, but a fire inside of him, and he can relate to players, and the guy has a great pedigree for offense, I'll take him. But I haven't sat in a room with him, and I've never heard him do an interview. But at the same time, I mean, look, I think Brandon Staley is a good young coach, and I like the things that he's said, and I like the messages that he's sending. That team's 8-7 and seven right now. Right, and what, what's he, what is he best known for? Doing defense. what? What is it? Defense. Right, and his defense stinks. It's terrible. Their offense it, it, is awesome. Their if, defense. If, any, if anything, it's sort it's the conundrum of a coach who also works on one side Brian, of the ball. Brian Billick, Tony Dungy, Bill Belichick in some Wade ways Phillip, when he had Wade Brady. Phillips when he was here in Denver. Remember yeah. Wade, when Wade, we, we know what kind of brilliant mo- defensive mind that Wade has. Yep. When he came to the Broncos as head coach, he moved up. To his credit, he understood, I've got to coach the entire team. So he had Charlie Waters call the defenses in those two years. But Charlie Waters was not up to the task. Wade Phillips made the right call in saying, I'm going to be the head coach for the team. Unfortunately for Wade, he made the wrong call on defensive coordinator with Charlie Waters if he if he had made a call like he did on offense when he hired the late Jim Fossil as his offensive coordinator, who knows if Mike Shanahan ever comes to Denver. Coming up after the break, tomorrow is our last day of 2021 because we're not doing shows on Thursday or Friday. So today uh, we're going to talk about the top five national sports stories. Tomorrow it'll be the top five local sports stories. So what are our five top Five national stories. We will rank them and start with number five and work our way up. That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason, watch us, mileisports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber, go to uh, RMFP. 
rmfp.com excuse me rmfp.com in the meantime i want to tell you about colorado off-road the weather is getting chilly so you might want to upfit today as winter is coming fast and they can help you with all the major accessory brands for your truck your car your jeep your suv when you buy from colorado off-road they install everything they can also get you something aftermarket big box stores they're not going to install for you and they're also not going to get you something aftermarket they only want to sell you brand new not to mention my guy jerry grew up in littleton his business colorado off-road is in littleton upfit today at colorado off-road go to cooffroad.com colorado off-road colorado grown colorado owned that's colorado off-road time now for the buzz the buzz is presented by rocky mountain eurosport Go for a test drive today in Denver or Parker because everyone deserves a luxury car buying experience. Or find them online at rmurosport.com. All right, we have some breaking news. Uh, John Madden, Hall of Fame head coach, and of course the namesake of the Madden video game, died unexpectedly today. This coming from the NFL. Earlier today, we received the sad news that the great John Madden died unexpectedly this morning. He was 85. On behalf of the entire NFL family, we extend our condolences to Virginia, Mike, Joe, and their families, said Roger Goodell. We all know him as the Hall of Fame coach of the Oakland Raiders and broadcaster who worked for every major network, but more than anything, he was a devoted husband, father, and grandfather. Nobody loved football more than coach. He was football. He was an incredible sounding board to me and so many others. There will never be another John Madden, and we will forever be indebted to him for all he did to make football and the NFL what it is today. If there were pies lying on the table, Mace, John Madden had his thumb in every pie, from coaching to consulting to growing the game through video and a broadcaster as well. He and Pat Summerall were the, and if you're under the age of 35, you probably don't remember Pat Summerall and John Madden, but they were the premier NFL broadcast team for decades. Yeah, I mean, they they first came together briefly in 1979, and then they were paired together on a full-time basis for the first time in 1981, and they worked basically 21 seasons uh, together. And and in terms of as the NFL was going through a huge growth spurt in terms of popularity and really consolidating its role as the number one place as the number one sport in this country, uh, they were they they were there every Sunday, often calling uh, the biggest games. You knew when when John Madden rolled into town on the Madden Cruiser because he had that bus that he would take because he he did not like to fly. He was famously claustrophobic. Um, and that, but when that bus rolled in, you knew it was a big time moment, a big time game. And then you met you mentioned the video game thing stuff. The Madden franchise has been around as a video game for over thirty years, and so between having such a prominent role on broadcasting and also changing how games were broadcast, if you listen to, if you go back and watch broadcasts from before John Madden and after, there's a difference. Before John Madden, there is very little talk about strategy, about the intricacies of line play, about how plays work. There's none of that. The color analysis before John Madden, it, it you didn't learn anything from it. 
Madden changed the landscape of what the public came to expect from a broadcast. They came to expect the color analyst to be very good at explaining how and why things happened in a play, but also doing it with that sense of fun and joviality and joie de vivre that Madden brought to every broadcast. He wasn't just tech, uh, a mind, uh, he wasn't just a mind like a steel trap when it came to technicalities of football, but he loved everything around it, the color, the pageantry, you know, the, the, the culture of it. And then developing the video game franchise. I'm not sure, Eric, that there are more than three or four people that weren't players who had as much of an influence on football and the NFL in particular and the growth of the sport as John Madden did. John Madden is, yeah, he's certainly right up there. Uh, and for those that don't know, this is how he got involved in coaching. Uh, he was a rookie with the Philadelphia Eagles. He suffered a knee injury, and he couldn't play while he was rehabbing. He would watch film with Norm Van Brocklin, legendary Hall of Fame quarterback. And Van Brocklin would explain exactly what was happening while they were doing film study together. Uh, Madden got a teaching degree, and that's that that's how he grew to truly love football. He uh, studied at the feet of Don Coriel, and if you remember, who Don Coriel is, of course, if you're under the age of 35, you might not. Don Coriel was the master of mind behind what was referred to as Air Coriel with the San Diego Chargers back in the 1980s. I mean, their air raid offense was nothing short of spectacular. But the funny thing is, is that when you look at Eric Coriel, John Madden had his success before there truly was Eric Coriel with the Chargers. Right. And, and he now he now it's funny, like the, the Eric Coriel offense was actually developed in the 1960s at San Diego State, not in the NFL. It was at San Diego State and that and and that is where John Madden came across Don Coriel. He was Don Coriel's defensive coordinator, believe it or not. So Corey and, and so we talk about sometimes how coaches they focus on one side of the ball and the other side gets free reign. John Madden is there at age 28 years old getting free reign for a for a major college defense for a major college defense and he parlayed that into getting to the Raiders, which is where his career, of course, took off. He became the, the Raiders head coach. He was hired at 32 years of age. Yeah. The interesting to, thing to, about him and yeah. his career is he touched every generation of football fans in mm -hmm. a different way. For me, I was born in the late 1960s. So to me, he was a football coach. Yeah. If you were born... Right around the time you were born, Mace, what was the mid 70s, 76, 77? Is that right? I was born the year that he won the Super Bowl okay. with the Raiders, 76. So, so, your generation, he was a great broadcaster. Mm -hmm. I remember the Raiders winning the Super Bowl and John Madden is the head coach. That's my generation. I'm in my 50s. You're in your 40s. Broadcaster. Now, let's talk about people in their 30s and 20s. What do they remember John Madden for? Video games, right? Can so, you think? Can you think of anyone who had that? Yes. Who had that kind of profound influence yes. in, in the NFL on so many generations? Not the NFL, but I can think of one guy. Yeah. Ask any ten-year-old what's your favorite shoe? Air Jordans. Right. Did you ever watch him play? 
No, I didn't. But you know Michael Jordan threw shoes. Oh, ask my daughter about Michael Jordan. That's right. I mean, my Michael Jordan hung up his, hung up his sneakers a decade before my daughter was born, and Michael Jordan is her favorite athlete. I'll give you another guy, but this is a real stretch here. I mean, when I say a real stretch, I mean a real stretch. Babe Ruth, the baseball player. I didn't yeah. watch him play, but I certainly ate his candy bar. <laughs> I ate a baby Ruth. I yeah. sure did. So, yes, he touched every single generation. Uh, you can make the case he should be in the Hall of Fame three separate times. Right. That that's He got in as a coach, but even if he had, he had just – been a good head coach, right. not a great head legendary coach. broadcaster. He right. made football he, he fun. Getting it as a contributor for what he did as a broadcaster, and then what he did in the video game realm. And again, like you look at vi- at video games before John Madden was involved, sports games before Madden and after. And he and he didn't just put his name on it. There are a lot of stories about how how he he was involved on such a micro level in making sure that certain details of plays, certain concepts looked right. Like, for example, before 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 Madden, you didn't see many 11-on-11 football games at all. Right. John said, I'm not going to do this unless we can do full 11-on-11 football. We get this right, I will put my name – I will – put my name on it and give you my expertise. And then he remained involved on an active basis for, for generations after that. And again, that's another way of influencing kind of how people understand the game between the broadcast, between what he taught every, every Sunday when he would explain, you know, the counter tray of Washington and Joe Jacoby with a pulling block, he was giving an education on the sport to people who didn't understand it, but he did it in a way that could make you understand. He put it in the, like he put it in terms that I, I mean, I'll just use an example. I put it in terms that someone like my mother who'd come from England and never watched American football in her life before coming over here, but he, but John could Put, put it in a terms that someone like my mom could understand yep. and embrace and come to love the game as a result. And that, he made it entertaining. John Madden. And he made it the entertainment with the booms and the boom. And then on Thanksgiving, you had the turkey bowl. You had all of that stuff that a lot of people don't remember. And one thing that is so important to remember as well, I don't know who was the president of CBS Sports at the time, but you could not have gotten a better pairing Pat Summerall and John Madden because Summerall was the perfect straight man. Yes. And Madden was the perfect foil right. to you know that the, straight man. You know that story of how it came together for Summerall and Madden? You ever hear this story? No. Okay. 1981, They knew, CBS knew they had a star in John Madden that was coming up their ranks. So they made him their number one color analyst, replacing the late Tom Brookshire. But they didn't know who was going to be the number one play-by-play broadcaster. So they took that season, had half of the season with John Madden working with Vin Scully, and half working with Pat Summerall. And it's not, and I believe it was Neil Pilson was the president of CBS at the time. Yeah. And said, it's not that it wasn't good with Vince Scully and John Madden, but Summerall's style yep. and how sparse he was yep. 
played best yeah. with John Madden, you know, because without the right brought without the right play by play person, John Madden would suck the air out out of the booth because he, you know, he needed a lot of room to function. But Pat could say so much with so little right, words right. that he with so few words that he was the perfect foil for the the fun and bombast of John Madden. I don't think we'll ever see a pairing in the booth as perfect as Summerall and Madden. And one more thing to consider. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure there are examples of it. And we got to hit a break. Got to hit a break. But this is probably the first pairing ever. But the only pairing that I'm aware of that a broadcast team featured a former player. Pat Summerall was a kicker for the Giants and a former coach. Two guys who truly understood the game. Yeah. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk about our top national sports stories of 2021. Tomorrow it's going to be the local stories because we don't have shows on Thursday and Friday. That's next. Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us at You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now. For what's trending. What's trending? Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda or find them at sthmazda.com. All right, uh, tomorrow we're going to talk about the top five local sports stories in 2021, as we will not have shows on Thursday and Friday. Today we're going to talk about our top national stories, uh, top five. And we're going to start them in descending order, five going up to one. And I got to tell you, putting together my list, Andrew, uh, usually I struggle. This year I did not. And for local sports stories, that was a slam dunk easy one for me as well. But let's start with national. What do you got for number five? Number five, it's how many tentacles this thing had, but it's everything regarding the ongoing scandals with the Washington football team. And then John Gruden connected to, to that and the and the uh, racist and homophobic uh, emails that basically forced him out. And the continued push to try to get more of these emails put in the public sphere that's reached a congressional level at this point to expose further what's ha- what happened in that organization. Yeah, that's actually not on my list. I can see it being on the list. But yeah. to me, that story is so dense honestly, and so Washington and NFL-centric, and I get that it is, and I understand touching of John Gruden was a very big deal, but that was not on my list. Number five for me, Texas and Oklahoma announcing their plans to join the SEC, which made everybody's knees knock. And oh, by the way, I reserve judgment to add something to my list, even though we don't have a show on Thursday and Friday. If Cincinnati beats Alabama on New Year's Eve in the playoff, that will likely be my number one or my number two story. Oh, wow. So so I'm reserving judgment. What's what's number four? Tiger Woods' accident. Very interesting that you went golf. 
Because to me, it was Phil Mickelson winning the PGA Championship at the age of 50. So it sounds like our lists are very different, but I can easily agree with what you put on your list because I thought of putting Tiger on my list, but I didn't want to put two golf stories. And I thought Phil Mickelson winning at 50 was making every guy over the age of 50 feel like, wow. And the reason why I didn't put Tiger on the list was this isn't the first time there's been an incident with him. It isn't, but at the same time, this was, I mean, th- this was, ba- this might be kind of the end for him. Yes, I agree. And I think that, that that's, if that is the case, if it is the end, I mean, it's, it, it's basically the end point. Of, it's it's kind of like we're talking about with, Jan, with John Madden. We're talking about somebody whose impact is generate is on multiple generations in a sport. Right. Number three. You know, I actually, it's funny because you mentioned Mickelson and it was, this is kind of a dual thing. No dual, no dual things. Okay, it, singular. Well, it, was, it was the because you already had guy. your dual thing with Gruden in old, Washington. It was the old guys defying time. Tom Brady, Phil Mickelson. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. To me, those are two totally different stories. Yeah. Okay. For me, Simone Biles withdrawing from the Olympics, in which she had a chance to win an individual gold medal, and she did not. I will tie that together, but Simone Biles was much bigger of a story, and then tennis star Naomi Osaka. She had a similar controversy after deciding to leave the French Open, both having to do with mental health issues. We'll, we'll get to that on mine because that's further up the ranks for me. Okay. Now we'll go to number two. Everything COVID vaccine related across the sports because we've seen just the general. You are grouping line. everything oh. together into no, one not. broad See, thing. The, 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 the number of athletes that have balked at the requirements, not gotten vaccinated. Every This has been a story that has been a drumbeat for basically the last six to eight months. And all of it, to me, is one large story that not only hasn't going to, gone away, but continues to escalate as we learned today that the Colts they, they had to put Carson Wentz on the COVID list. Right. And then hours later, the NFL changes its guidelines to where if Wentz tests negative and is asymptomatic, even though he's unvaccinated, he might be back by Sunday when the Colts play the Raiders. I took the COVID story and spun it differently. Fans allowed to go back to games. That simple. Your story is huge, too. I think you can argue for either. Yours is a really strong argument, but we went all of 2021 or all of 2020 from March on, no fans in the stands, and finally fans got to return. I'm guessing Simone Biles is number one for you, and there are some personal reasons why I think you believe that's number one. It's mental health in general. Biles, Naomi Osaka, but also you have... You had Calvin Ridley with the Falcons, Lane Johnson of the Eagles, who in the middle of the season stepped away to deal with mental health issues. You had this is the year where I would say for the first time it feels acceptable in sports to have frank conversations about mental health. And the reason why this is number one, as big as all the COVID stuff is, it's number one because this is going to long-term change the landscape and the culture 
of sports if we can have these frank discussions about mental health just like we do about physical health. And, and, it's, and it's a great topic. I can see why you put it number one. For me, I'm going to be very American when I say this. I'm going to pick our number one sport, and I'm going to pick arguably the greatest player of all time. And that is Tom Brady at the age of 43 winning a Super Bowl with his second team, his seventh Super Bowl, and I don't think we will ever see that again. There's a better chance of somebody winning a major at the age of 51 than, Tom, than somebody winning seven Super Bowls and doing his final one potentially at the age of 43. What do we have coming and up on Justin? It might Bay? be eight if they, can, if right? they can get a little bit of good luck here health-wise and get some players back in the next couple of weeks. It might be eight. You might want to answer your phone. It's a good thing we're going to break. What do we have coming up on just in case you missed it? Nuggets taking on the Warriors tonight in the Bay Area and some NHL players not happy with the decision of the league to opt out of the Olympics. Do they have maybe another option if they do want to participate? That's next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word. The final word is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it. Denver Nuggets on the road tonight, taking on the Golden State Warriors, 8 o'clock p.m. tip, and that game is on NBA TV, but it will be blacked out for those in the Denver market, so unless you have altitude already, um, I hope you have your other manners of watching ready to go. It's the first of four contests between Denver and Golden State this season. Nikola Jokic, Stephen Curry, both in the MVP conversation, which star shines brighter tonight? Both sides missing some guys with injuries and on the COVID list. Yeah, individually, I think Jokic will shine brighter. He, But Golden State's going to get the win because this is a one-man team that the Nuggets have right now. Yep. And, the Warrior, and the Warriors are deeper. Look, Steph's having a great season, no doubt. And... I fear that he may get the MVP because of the accomplishments of the team, but individually, no one is doing anything close to what Jokic is doing, not even Steph. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, as you said, he has to pretty much do everything out there. Yeah. Um, and you know what the funny thing is? Jokic does not have that type of personality, so I don't believe he does, where he'll go out and say, okay, Steph's on the court. I'm going to show everybody I'm the MVP. I don't think he's wired that way. Steph might be, but I don't think that Jokic is at all. Not Jokic is wired to just do that every night. Yep. Like he's he's a 
I mean, I'm going to lean on my, my, my baseball fandom here, but uh, he he reminds me a little of like uh, Greg Maddox or Tom Glavin in their prime. Whenever he steps out there, it's it's the same kind. It's the same kind of high mental mindset that he has. There's not a night off for him. Just in case you missed it, some NHL players, including Boston's Brad Marchand, have uh, criticized the league's choice to opt out of the 2022 Winter Olympics. They say. Players who want to participate could forfeit pay while the NHL makes up postponed games using taxi squads. The NHL just agreed with the Players Association to reinstitute taxi squads that they were using earlier on in the pandemic and during the bubble season. Uh, to supplement those rosters with players in the protocol, should the NHL just give individual players the final choice? Do you think any players will choose to participate in the Winter Olympics anyway? Well, I mean, the thing is that the NHL player, the, the teams ultimately have control of the player contracts. I mean, I think this is some, it's something where if a player wants to go, great. But I think the, what matters is, what matters to the NHL teams is having enough guys available to get through the games here. I mean, the, the Olympics, it's a nice bonus, but it's just something that has to be sacrificed for the, for the greater good of what they're trying to do in the NHL. So if I'm a, guy on a team and one of my teammates decides to go play for a gold medal I question his commitment to my team and I don't want him on my team the goal is to win a Stanley Cup not to mention the team that's paying you is the team that's trying to win the Stanley Cup not your country if your country is more important to you then go home and play in your home country you know this is going to be a really interesting thing globally next year because the World Cup finals instead of happening in the summer, in the off-season for most soccer leagues, are happening when most soccer leagues are in season, November and December. Leagues around the world are going to come to a halt, and teams are probably going to be very nervous watching those matches over in Qatar. So this is a a, a North American story right now. This is going to be a global story in soccer next year. All right, that's going to do it for us. We're out of time. We're not really out of time. We're out of time. We are out of time. Alex, great job today as always. Same with you, Danny. Mace, hopefully I'll see you back in studio tomorrow. Yep. I'll test negative, hopefully. (laughs) I think that's the shortest answer you've ever given. It's because I'm actually sending an email to Alex saying what segments I want him to move over. (laughs) Oh, for Twitter? Is that why? Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I I didn't mean to interrupt you on a live show. All right, Mace, I hope to see you tomorrow. Make it the best possible light you can. Watching for the snow.